Hey, folks, want to get big league performance in your backyard? Turn to Steel Battery Tools. That's S-T-I-H-L, SteelUSA.com or SteelDealers.com. Again, S-T-I-H-L, from mowers and blowers to chainsaws and trimmers. The Steel AK Homeowner Series starts at just $199.99. And you won't find steel at uh, your big box stores, but you can pick it up at over 10,000 local dealers. So you know you have one right around the corner. It's real steel. Find yours again at steeldealers.com. They have everything to make your yard absolutely pristine. S-T-I-H-L, steeldealers.com, steelusa.com. You'll be blown away by their products. I always tell you, I start my day with Boyer's Coffee. They've been brewing Boyer's in the Rocky Mountain region since 1965. They're local. They taste outstanding. And they're a great community partner. They have uh, invested in our region for more than a generation. And I suggest you, if you haven't already, get on board and check out all of the great Boyer's Coffee products. You can have it delivered right to your home as I do. And uh, you literally get it within a couple of days. I'm a K-Cup guy, so that's uh, my direction. I had Aspen Gold this morning. That's kind of my go-to uh, K-Cup brand. But to go to their website at boyerscoffee.com, and you'll see many, many great flavors. And they often have a, a flavor of the month. So uh, have it del- delivered, as I said, right to your home. Or you can find it at your favorite local grocery store as well. It's boyerscoffee.com. Boyerscoffee.com. Go check them out. This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast, Rockies Vice President and Assistant General Manager of Scouting, Danny Montgomery, telling you how he scouts. I think it's my duty to get to know these kids' families personally because that way, sometimes when it's a guy that looks like them that they can honestly trust and talk to, that's what I think I'm here for. And some names you might want to remember. We like to see guys that can hit and let power come second. And that's the kind of guy that Sterling Thompson is. I mean, this guy is as balanced rhythm and timing swing as you ever want to see. Just replay his tape. He's hit everywhere he's been. Subscribe to the Drew Goodman Podcast wherever you find podcasts, and please tell a friend. This is the Drew Goodman Podcast. Welcome in, everybody. Glad you're along. It is podcast number 159, coming to you from the mountains. It's part of uh, time off, the all-star break, and enjoying uh, some uh, time away and uh, high altitude as well. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed the all-Star festivities. It's festivities now. It's not just the game. It's the it's the home run derby, which going back to last year when it was at Coors Field, I think the derby, I don't know if it drew more eyeballs, it may have, than the All-Star game, but it, it got a lot of attention. You know, Shohei Otani was in it. Uh, the Polar Bear won it again. And this year... Uh, the Derby had some nice moments. I, I thought it was a great moment to have uh, Albert involved. I was nervous for him for a little bit because it looked like he wasn't going to hit many home runs. And you don't want any great player to embarrass themselves. Uh, but ultimately, he performed pretty well. There was a little controversy there. Do you hear about that after where the, the Kyle Schwarber in that bonus round actually should have tied? Albert Albert hit seven in the bonus round to get to 20, and Schwarber allegedly hit 19, but may have in reality hit 20, and they didn't count properly. How can you not count properly? I didn't get that. Come on, man. 
you have videotape also, you should be able to, to count how many home runs uh, somebody hit. Also, one other note before I go back to this home run derby. Stop with the you can't throw a pitch until the ball lands. What if somebody hits a 450-foot home run on a line and somebody hits a 450-foot home run with a launch angle of 40 degrees? It's going to take longer for the 40-degree home run to land than the one that was hit on a line at like 25 degrees, a Giancarlo Stanton special. Just pitch him rapid fire. If a guy can can get as many swings off, uh, you know, or gets more swings off than than somebody else, that's to their advantage. And and anyhow, nobody ever steps in from a rule standpoint and says, hey, he threw the ball too quickly. He threw the ball before the other ball uh, landed. But, you know, it was entertaining. And, and that's the bottom line. The polar bear got beat. Um, Juan Soto ends up winning it. There, there were good moments, and um, I enjoyed it. I, I think it's a. I think it's nice. I, I think it's. It hasn't run its course yet because you have to get personalities in there. You do have to make sure over you know from a year to year basis that you do have some some sexy guys involved. Now Aaron Judge wasn't involved, but you know will he be involved down the road? That ilk of player. Uh, Alonso draws eyeballs. I think people wanted to do a look-see if, if Albert could compete. Juan Soto draws eyeballs. It was a great way to introduce the nation to Julio Rodriguez, who's a one of the great prospects in baseball. Uh, we had him during spring training against the Rockies, and I believe he was the number one rated prospect in baseball. He had an all-star first half in addition to being selected for the Home Run Derby. But being a participant in the Home Run Derby and doing as well as he did, he gets introduced to the rest of the nation, particularly since he plays his games way out on the West Coast uh, up in Seattle, and not a lot of people are seeing him. So I thought the all-star Home Run Derby was a win. Uh, without question. Juan Soto wins it, and Juan Soto was kind of in the middle of the news again because he turned down $440 million, according to reports. Now, clearly, the Nationals leaked that. Uh, I would doubt that Scott Boris leaked that or people involved with Juan Soto leaked that. I would think that the Nationals want their fan base to know, hey, listen, we are offering this guy ridiculous amount of money and it's their second offer they've come up from uh, the reported I think it was 350 the 90 million dollars I think this one was over 15 years somewhere in that neighborhood and I have a couple of thoughts on that one that's a lot of money to turn down right and I'm always one to point this out. And I have respect for Scott Boris. He's great at what he does. He's really good at what he does. Now, a lot of people see him as the villain. I just need to point out, though, that sometimes it appears that the player is working for the agent and not the other way around. Juan Soto could have said, hey, Scott, I like that offer. I'm not turning down $440 million. It's more than Mike Trout made from the Angels. I think Trout was like 426. I'm good. That works for me. But it always appears the other way around. The other aspect that I want to discuss here a little bit is, is that too much? Is Juan Soto worth 
You're worth whatever someone will pay you. But I'm saying from a competitive standpoint, if you're the Nationals and you do pay and you, and you throw $440 million, let's say, and, he, and accepts it over 15 years, where are you? Because they're a bad team right now. They're a miserable team. And Juan Soto's in his prime. Juan Soto's a great player. But by the very nature, particularly of position players, they can only impact the game so much. See the Los Angeles Angels of Anaheim. They have Mike Trout, who's going to go down as one of the great players of all time. They don't win. Mike Trout's been in the postseason famously one time. Mike Trout has been joined the last few years by Shohei Otani, who's the biggest freak maybe in the history of the game. He's not a good pitcher. He's a great starting pitcher. He's an ace. He also can hit 40 or 50 homers. He also is supremely fast. He's two all-stars. He's two of the best players in the game wrapped into one. And he plays with Mike Trout. And the Angels still suck. So how can you allocate that kind of dollar figure? Your fan base would be elated. Hey, we're keeping Juan Soto. And then the next morning they wake up and they look at the standings and they're buried in the National League East. There has to be some sort of sobriety if winning is important. If winning is truly important, I don't know if you can pay somebody, unless you're the Dodgers, I guess, or the Yankees, where you pay one guy $40 million, and then you're going to have another guy at $35 million, and maybe two other guys at $28 million. It's just not sustainable. Go back to the Rockies when they signed Nolan Arenado to a 263 or $65 million deal. And fans were excited, and understandably so. You know, Dick Monford opened his wallet for, for that kind of dollar figure, and he's done it before for big dollars. And then Nolan got upset the next year when the Rockies were going to, you know, tighten the belt a little bit and, and wait a year or so to try to add on. Again, my point is you have to be really careful if you're a team allocating such a large percentage to one player because in baseball, that player can only make so much of a difference. Juan Soto comes up four times, maybe five. Same thing with Mike Trout. How much can they, how much can they impact the outcome of numerous games? They can't. I would argue that the really the only position in sports where if you got an elite guy, the Juan Soto of football, Tom Brady goes to Tampa, albeit he was after 40, but he was still great. And he made Tampa a solid team, a great team, and they won a Super Bowl. Peyton Manning was able to do that and get the Broncos ultimately over the hump, though I would say by the time he did it, they were so good in other areas that it was not as much about Peyton Manning as it would have been a few years earlier. But when he certainly he arrived, I mean, he was throwing like five touchdown passes uh, every game. Bronco fans hope Russell Wilson has that same impact. Quarterback is involved with what you hope to be at least half the snaps of a game. If you're playing really good defense, more than half the snaps, he is involved, not just a participant, he's 
intimately involved in every single play because he's the quarterback. It doesn't work that way in baseball. Even a starting pitcher. Starting pitching is huge. That's why I said what I did about Otani. He's going to be a free agent. He's two guys. He's two great guys. He's not two good guys. He's two great guys. I don't know what that asking price would be. But when you start paying somebody that kind of money over 8, 10, 12, 14 years, my goodness, you are going to hamstring your franchise. The Angels, are, are they paid Anthony Rendon, what was it, $300 million? And already, you know, I shouldn't say already, he's been hurt a lot and hasn't performed the way he did in Washington. At the time, if you were an Angel fan, you said, this is awesome. We're getting one of the best hitters in the National League, and now he's an Angel. It's just too long. And I know initially the fan base is happy, but if you're about winning, I don't know if that's the right way to go. Anyhow, back to the All-Star game. I watched the All-Star game. I was, I was again, up in the mountains, watched it at a restaurant. Didn't get to hear all the audio. I saw some of the clips afterward. It's fun. You know I'm a fan of the Major League Baseball All-Star game because it is a, a an All-Star pitcher trying to get an All-Star hitter out. It is true competition. And it turned out to be, you know, a great game. Paul Goldschmidt hit a home run after, you know, Mookie Betts had, had driven in a run. Uh, you know, it's two to nothing National League. They're going to break the string of losing eight in a row. And lo and behold, they can't because uh, Giancarlo Stanton hits a two-run home run. It's followed up, uh, you know, moments later uh, by, you know, another home run. And, uh, and the American League with great pitching because great pitching beats great hitting all the time. The American League ends up winning their ninth uh, consecutive game. Byron Buxton was the name I was searching for for hit, who hit the the second home run. But I enjoyed it. You know, I, I didn't I didn't watch every single pitch, but I enjoyed it. I typically um, am into the Major League All Star festivities. It did not um, disappoint. Other news and notes from the world of sports. Bef- the draft took place, and we're going to get to the draft in one moment with Danny Montgomery. But I, I wanted to talk about golf for a moment. The Open Championship took place um, over the weekend, and it was at St. Andrews, the home of golf, 150th anniversary of the Open Championship. And Cam Smith of Australia, I mean, he won the damn thing. I think everyone, me included, certainly um, everyone on the British Isles wanted to see Rory McIlroy win it. And he was in position to win it. But this was not Greg Norman falling apart on the back nine at Augusta. He didn't throw a bogey out there. It was a bogey-free round. He didn't drop many putts, but he shot a 70. That's not an, that, that's not an embarrassing round uh, on a Sunday in a major. Cam Smith shot 64, five straight birdies on the back nine. You kidding me? He went out and won it. It was disappointing for Rory, but it was a great run by a sensational young talent in Cam Smith. The other noteworthy event that took place over the four days clearly was Tiger on 18 being fetid with the standing ovation, uh, walking across the bridge by himself, and the timing of it that his very close friend Justin Thomas and, and another good friend and somebody you know he respects greatly, Rory McIlroy, walking down the first fairway, and they tipped their cap to him. And he got really emotional because, as he said afterward, 
I'm going to continue to play golf. I expect to play more British Opens, but I don't know if I'll be back here again. And Tiger, I thought was going to do better. I think the golfing world thought he was going to do better. I've had the good fortune of playing that golf course, the old course. It's pretty flat. And, you know, he struggled with Augusta after the great opening round of, you know, of, of one under. He he struggled walking the hills. And many thought that, okay, with all the rehab he's done and how hard he works, this is going to be an opportunity for him because it's flat. And he went out and he shot 79-76. He wasn't even in the ballpark. And it was it, that was sad to a certain degree, and it makes you wonder, maybe this guy who just keeps overcoming, you know, the back fusions and the controversy off the golf course, and he, and he would keep on winning, and he, and he thrilled us all at Augusta a few years ago. Maybe this, in fact, was truly, truly the beginning of the end, because as we know, not only is Father Time undefeated, but a beat-up body is undefeated as well. I hope not. I, I, you never want to say, no, uh, you know, you never want to look at Tiger Woods and say, nope, he can't get it done. He may have another miracle in store down the road. But seeing him emotional and watching that made me pause. All right, back to the draft now that took place in Major League Baseball. It's getting more attention. Major League Baseball is doing a better job of presenting it. I think. The consumer, you the fan, are more familiar with the names, especially the collegiate names, because there's more college baseball on than ever before. And you can pay attention, especially to the big-time programs, the Power Five programs, the Arkansas, the Arizona States, the LSUs uh, of the world. And so some of the names, even though Unlike the NFL and the NBA, when you get drafted, your next stop is the highest level. It is the NBA. It is the NFL. There's no minor leagues, really. I know there is. You know, there's the the G League and the NBA. I understand that. But in baseball, you'd be the first pick in the draft. You ain't going right to Major League Baseball, even if you were a three-time All-American in college. You may get there quicker, potentially, but you're still going to the minor leagues. It is a process. The Rockies had four picks in their top, in the top 50. And the Rockies system is much better now, as we chat, than it was a couple of years ago. But they still have to stockpile. That is how the Rockies are going to be relevant again and reach the postseason again. It's got to be homegrown for the most part. Not exclusively, because... The Rockies have spent money. They just did recently, as you know, with Chris Bryant. They've done it multiple times in the past with various um, free agents. But it's got to happen in the draft, and it's got to happen in Latin America. So if you're an observer of baseball, if you're really into baseball, if you're really into the Rockies, you're paying attention. And I thought no better guest this week than a guy that I have immense respect for. I've known for more than two decades. He's one of the best people I know, not just baseball people. He He's a marvelous guy, and I think you're going to enjoy the interview because it encompasses more than just the, the Rockies' draft selections over the three days it was the draft. Uh, it talks about uh, you know baseball in general, young players in general. Um, you learn a lot more about Danny Montgomery, who's the vice president and assistant general manager of scouting. He's been with the Rockies before they ever played their first game. He's a former player. 
and uh, injuries, as you learn, you know, took away his career as they do for many people. Um, he, he's a mensch. He's a wonderful guy, and I think you're really going to enjoy the conversation. You're going to learn a lot about uh, where the Rockies are. You're going to learn a lot about scouting. You're going to learn a lot about uh, the excitement behind this draft as well. So without further ado, our Ideal Home Loans Interview of the Week, Vice President and Assistant General Manager of Scouting, Danny Montgomery. D-Mop, for, for people who don't know you, you go by D-Mop, we already introduced you as Danny Montgomery, but uh, you are one of the few, because you go back before the Rockies ever played a baseball game. Yep. Talk a little bit about, for people who don't know, you know how you how you came to be with the Rockies. You, you played at UNC Charlotte, played with a guy named Stu Cole, right? Yeah, we got a long, long lineage, a little history with each other. Yeah. Um, no, it, it all started, uh, Drew, coming out of Asheville. I came to uh, Asheville, North Carolina. I ended up going to college at UNC Charlotte and uh, got drafted with the team that I'd always loved and cherished when I was a young kid was the uh, the L.A. Dodgers, you know, with their history and everything that they were all about with Jackie breaking the barrier and all the things that were, you know, Dodgers. I was I was just so excited and thrilled, you know, when I ended up getting drafted by them. And uh, and so from there, I ended up going into the system and had a lot of operations on my knees. Uh, just couldn't stay healthy. And uh, and so in 89, you know, I had even when I was not playing, I was always trying to help out as many of the guys and a ton of them made it to the major leagues. As you know, during those late 80s and 90s, uh, they were all my teammates and we were very, very close. You know, I would always take the Latinos out to go shopping for them and, you know, you know, they was in a foreign country. So I would do anything I could do to help, even though I was hurt and I didn't get much time. I spent more time in the hospital than I did on the field, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, unfortunately, there are careers that go in that direction. What point in time did you, did someone approach you or did you think, hey, I want to stay in the game and I want to give back and whether it be through coaching or, you know, more specifically scouting, obviously you're vice president now, but your background has always been scouting. Take us through how you got to, you know, that point. Yeah, that, that's a good question. This this, that, this day I would never forget. And it was um, Frank Job was my doctor uh, who did the time first Tommy John. And also, you know, it was 1989 and I was getting ready to have my fifth operation. And at the time I was going to they were asking me if I wanted to do this new uh, surgery, the prosthetic kneecap thing. Uh, you know, and, and I was like, hey, you guys haven't done this enough for me to have something plastic in my 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 knees. But I knew at that moment, you know, when Frank told me what was going on and, you know, he had he had he had, he had personally talked to me and said, hey, I've had a lot of conversations with the upper management and they want to keep you around. If this is something that you don't want to do is go through this last operation, but you want to, you know, retire and, and stay in the game. These people want to keep you around. They watch what you've done. And, you know, and anytime I do a speaking engagement, the testimonial I try to give young kids is you, you, you can help someone else, even when you're not on the field doing something that can. Uh, and, and I'm a perfect example how things kind of matriculated once I got out of the game. I mean, they were right there to say, hey, we'll we'll, we'll keep you on in some capacity. So I, so me and Jerry Royster, I ended up going into this, uh, the player development side of it to get a feel for what it would be like. And that's why I had EY Sr. Eric Young Sr. was on our club, you know, in Kissimmee. So I ended up uh, coaching for that summer. And I'll tell you, I, if, I don't know if the heat 
ran me out of coaching or just the day-to-day <laughs> operations of of how coaching was it just it just didn't fit my flow and so Ben Wade who was the scouting director um after our, our conclusion of our season that September he he grabbed me and asked me said I want you to come and work for you for me I want you to go back home and work in the Carolinas and honestly every time I look at Ben I'd be scared to death he just he just had an aura about him that was you know scary but I was like you know I didn't want to tell him no so I said yeah okay I'll definitely come back home and so that's where the transition started but Frank Job and all the staff were the ones that really uh that moment of clarity happened that it, my, my career was probably at, a, at, at it, was, it was probably over as far as playing one of the things that I've often said about you and now I get to stay in, uh, in a public forum and everybody who knows you adores you and you brighten up and I'm not trying to embarrass the game but you brighten up a room you brighten up the dugout when you walk in and you brighten up the room when you when you walk in it it's one of the gifts that you have one of the many yeah. gifts that you have and people gravitate toward you and you've been able to to do that now for I mean the Rockies as you well know are in their 30th season you've touched a lot of people yeah, and I appreciate that, Drew. That means a lot because, you know, one thing about my 93-year-old mom, and, I, and I, I just adore her, and one thing she's always said, she loved her five kids, but there was something different. I was the last, I was the baby, and I was a lot younger than the youngest sister. So, but she's always said there's something angelic about you, and I don't ever forget that. I, I, I mean, she said this years ago, and I would always just, oh, mom, you know, I just try to do right, and stay humble. You know, I'm a country boy. I just try to be humble and, and, and treat people the way I want to be treated. And, um, but you know, after, after years go on, you start looking at yourself in a different light. You know, you wonder why people migrate to you and, you know, how you can touch people. And, you know, I just started realizing that it was a gift and that's kind of how I, 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 I transitioned to, to my life, you know, outside of playing is that I felt like I had a gift that, you know, I needed to, to exploit you know, to other people. It reminded me how Buck O'Neill was, you know, Buck didn't see color, you know, and, and that's why I named that organization after him because he was, he was the epitome of what I would see when I first met and knew about him uh, over all his years in his career. And I, and I always wanted to kind of emulate how he, he got along with people and he didn't see color and he just really was uh, a very, very, uh, I guess you guys, you say when someone, he walks in the room, he just lit the room up. You knew he was in there. And, yeah. and, and so, Danny, I was, I was going to bring this up a little bit later on, but, you know, Buck O'Neill comes up, and I know you're running up to Cooperstown uh, with, with Buck O'Neill uh, rightfully being uh, enshrined posthumously into, the, into Cooperstown where he belongs uh, for yes. a variety of reasons. In this particular draft, which you helped oversee, one of the gazillion now that you've been involved with, uh, I know it was not lost on you. It was not lost on me. It was not lost on many, many others. Baseball has strived over the last decade plus to get more African-American kids involved in the game where, you know, when you and I were younger, I think it was around 25% or so of the population in Major League Baseball, the guys we were watching on, on national TV and the guys we followed locally wherever we grew up, you know, 25% of that universe were, were black kids. Right. And it's and it down around 7%, 8% the last several years. For the first five uh, kids, and I'll call them kids because that's what they are, right. that were selected are African-American kids 
And and I'm sure that gave you pause, did it not? It, it really did. I mean, honestly, me and a lot of the old veterans around now, we've, we've been talking about that uh, because the pipeline that Dale Matthews and, and Tony Regans and all those guys have, have put in place, I think it, it's, it's helped tremendously, you know, because all these kids, if you, the, the ones that you named outside of probably rocker had been a part of that pipeline, especially the high school kids. And, and that means a lot. And I think, you know, it gives some of these other kids a, that are football basketball guys, an opportunity to see, you know, what Manfred put on out there at the, uh, in LA and, and, you know, that a lot of these kids are not going to end up in the NBA. They're not going to end up in the NFL. And this gives them another outlet to, you know, with the athleticism and the skill set, all they need to do is just give it a try, play it. I know it can get a little slow and boring probably to most kids because those two sports move in a hurry. They move quick. But if you just give it a chance and give it a, an opportunity, I mean, look at this kid, uh, Elijah Green. He could have went and played football. I mean, you know, his dad was a, you know, went and played in the league and done what he did. And I know Eric very, very well. But he played a game that he felt he loved. Not to be like his dad. He wanted to do the, 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 the job that he felt like he could do for the rest of his life. And so I'm very, very proud. I've had my hands on all of those guys outside of, uh, you know, taking Rocker out of high school. But all these kids, you know, their families I know personally. And I think it's my duty to get to know these kids' families personally. Because that way, sometimes when it's a guy that looks like them that they can honestly trust and talk to, that's what I think I'm here for. I think that's my, 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 my being, you know, in these positions that I'm in. Yeah. And Danny, I think the process, you know, this will be accelerating. I've talked about this before and, and I know major league baseball, you probably know far more about it than I do is trying to work with the NCAA because we have to get to a point where it's not 11.7 scholarships. So kids, you know, whether white or black or, or, or Latino or whatever, if they want to get a college education, as opposed to saying, well, if I go play basketball, or football, that's truly a full ride as right. opposed to baseball where they give you 50% or 62.5%. That's still a, a void that has to be filled. Yes. And hopefully we can get to that place in time where there are more scholarships available. Because you and I both know you better than anyone on the planet. Right. The kids that become the Charlie Blackmans and the, and, and the Barry Larkins and all the kids and young people we watch in major league baseball they're a needle in a haystack but if yeah. you can go get your education and go play college baseball for four or five years and, and maybe if you are a needle in a haystack you do get that kid who says all right i'm, I'm gonna try to be a point guard and and i'm, I'm a six one you know decent player but maybe i get baseball a shot then we're, then we're winning drew you are exactly right we have a the program that I started along with two grassroots guys is called Mentoring Viable Prospects. It's an MVP tournament that's going on. It starts this weekend in Atlanta. It starts Thursday to Sunday. And we talk, we, we push so strongly about the educational part of it. And we have, you know, even just having that tournament and Major League Baseball's backed us. I mean, it, it, you know, everybody calls in to ask for money for Major League Baseball to help them. And, and, and we did this on a shoestring budget early on. But once they realized, you know, when Tony came and realized what we had going on, then, you know, some of the fundings became, you know, available to help us, you know, not be a shoestring, you know. And so one thing about that organization and uh, mentoring viable prospects is we try hard to, to, to push the educational part of it. We have a symposium on Saturday that we bring people in like Orlando Hudson, you know, 
Uh, old scouts, Fred Wright's going to do uh, the speaking this weekend. We've had a lot of guys, Cameron, uh, uh, you know, different guys that we feel like can push that envelope to let these kids know, get your education. And, and a lot of these kids are not, you know, major league prospects. These kids need to go to school. But what's happened over the course of the years, we've had so many more colleges come to this tournament. And that's where these kids are getting. So now the numbers that we've had, Drew, they're unbelievable. The number, the amount of kids that have gone from uh, MVP to college and getting everything paid for just because of that tournament. And, 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 and we, we pride ourselves on that. You know, Greg Goodwin runs the show, and, and we pride ourselves on giving these kids an opportunity to get your education because you may not end up in this game, but you might end up like me in the front office part of it or, or umpires. I mean, we bring umpires to, you know, teach them how to do what they do and, 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 and just giving them an, an outlet to say, hey, there's a – because a lot of it is about just giving them an outlet. You know, and this is what we do with that tournament. It gives them a, a chance to see a lot of different lights instead of just the way you're thinking that you're going to make it in major with baseball. Right. How many how many kids will be there, Demont, this coming week? We do we do uh, six teams. We bring teams out of Chicago. Chip Lawrence brings a team. He's a he's a one of the national cross checkers. Uh, he brings a team out of Florida. We bring a, key, a team out of the Carolinas, and Atlanta has two clubs. And then we have another club, you know, coming from, you know, like a Detroit, I think, this year. So we have six, yeah, six clubs, and uh, and it has just gone on well. And this is the twentieth. I, I want to say it might be our twenty-second year doing that program, and we have had a ton of kids get educated, and that's what we, and that's the main reason we did it. It wasn't, you know, there were some guys that that are that that's come through it, that's made it to this to the next level, but. The, the reality of it is it's just trying to give those guys an outlet. And, and, and that's knowing, what that you, is. knowing you, I know the end game was not about producing the next big leaguer. It, it was wasn't. about it's about helping out and, yes. and making uh, you know a little corner of the world a little better place. I want to transition off of that, if I can, to, to the draft for the Rockies. Might as well stop at the start at the top. And this is the young man you guys drafted at Gonzaga, Gabriel Hughes. And I did notice something, Demon. They must have held pitching staff there, and I know you spent some time in Spokane. In that, they had four kids drafted off that staff. If I, if yeah. I, my information. They did. Yeah, it was a good club. It really was a good club. But I'm gonna tell you, this kid, this horse that we picked up, first pick. Yeah, you know, you can look at all the mocks and all that. We don't care about the mocks. This is a dupe. And this, this, and, and outside of what he does on the field, he's a better human being. This guy graduated in three years from that school with a biology degree. You know, so he's finished. And, and, and his parents are, are doctors. I mean, just comes from so, so humble beginnings. And it was fortunate because, look, these are the things that we don't get a chance to do. When, we, when myself, Billy, and Gus were in, um, in uh, the combine, we were able to sit down and have a conversation for 25 minutes with these kids. And that's, that's things that we couldn't normally do. So we gained a better appreciation for him because we sat there and realized, wow, this is impressive because all I could see is what I see on the field. I don't have the time to go and meet him. But now that we have the combine and this Zoom and all these different things, we can meet these kids and, 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 and determine their intellect, you know, what they really stand for, I guess you'd say, what's inside the package. And that's the luxury of what we did with, with, with Gabriel Hughes 
this kid was as impressive as as I'm telling you, he was in the top five out of the guys we met. And I'm telling you, we met with sixty something guys or more. That's we met thing. with a lot of guys. Danny, wasn't he a two way guy? Where yeah. and now you're going to obviously have him focus just on on being a pitcher. Yeah. Uh, the the other part of that equation is that you're in the business of projecting, Correct. and it is so hard to project in any sport, but for me, particularly baseball, because unlike, if you know, Danny, the NFL and the NBA, if a kid gets drafted, his next stop typically is the, is the big leagues of that sport, the NFL, Correct. the NBA. Yeah. Yeah. NHL is a little bit different. But in, in baseball, I don't care how gifted you were at Arkansas right. or USC or Arizona State, you typically, your next stop is not the big leagues. No, it's not. No, it's not. And then we talk about that to the kids a lot of times. We ask them, hey, are you are you really fit for this? You know, because, again, you're not going to play in a showcase. This is a major league. This is your job. And and, and we tell them all the time, you're going to get paid for your job. But you also got to realize these bus rides that I remember sitting up in the top of the, you know, where the luggage goes, you know, and you got a 12 hour bus ride. It is hard on you. It's hard on your body. And and the, the luxury about Hughes, he's a twenty he's a twenty year old uh, that acts like a grown man. He has a grown man's makeup about him. He's only twenty years old, and and still is low mileage. But honestly, out of all the guys this past spring, uh, pitching wise, he was one of the few that made every start. You know, he got out there every day. He's very durable. Now we know that anything could happen because you know uh, you know things happen. But you know just the, the physicality of him. And, uh, you know, the way he throws strikes, his four-pitch mix, and all the things that we look for, and plus being 20 years old, it factored with the equation as good as you could ever imagine. Danny, do you – and, you know, it's an inexact science. I talk about it, as you know, all the time on television. There are guys that you look at, you think, oh, you know, he may have a chance to make it as a back-of-the-rotation guy. Next thing you know, he becomes Greg Maddox. Correct. I'm using an, an extreme right. example. With this young man like, taking tenth overall, where does he project right now, in your mind? Honestly, if if if, if I'm always trying to shoot for high, you know, hoping that he could be a number two or a three, I'm I'm going to say this: in Denver, you want one, two, three, four, or five. You know, you have to have emphasis on all of them. I mean, sure. I mean, because pitching is always going to be uh, an uh, uh, an avenue of need here. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? But just yep. him going out right now at this state of his career and the way we feel like we know him as a as a person, yeah, I'm 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 expecting three or two or somewhere in that area that he could possibly end up being in the rotation, if not a one. I mean, but he has the makeup to be that way because he's a worker and he knows he's good. He feels like he's good. Good. So good deal. Let, let me move on to that outfielder you took from Florida and uh, Sterling Thompson. And I'm good. We're going to talk about him for a moment. Then I'm going to piggyback for, for a second. But what did you like about Sterling Thompson? Another guy, 20 years old. We almost took him out of high school. But, you know, you got to be careful with Val and Sully over there at, at, at Florida because, yeah, you can see where he's rattled off a ton of guys. So out of high school, you better know you can sign him or we could have possibly selected someone that we didn't sign. So now it was our turn to get him and we got him. And let me tell you, one thing about this guy, he can hit. He is a hitter first. I think he ended up finishing with, what, 11 or 12 home runs. I wouldn't be concerned about that. I would only tell you, we, as and, and, and you know, we love hitters here. 
And one thing about it, we like to see guys that can hit and let power come second. And that's, and that's the kind of guy that Sterling Thompson is. I mean, this guy is as balanced rhythm and timing swing as you ever want to see. Uh, he's hit since high school. He's hit in all the showcases. Just replay his tape. He's hit everywhere he's been. And this kid, he played some – I saw him at infield uh, at second base during the uh, regional. I think I saw him. He was at playing second. I personally like him as an outfield. I personally would, would like to see him at one of the corners here. But, um, you know, not saying that he couldn't play in the dirt, but for me, I think he's, he's going to be that banger that we've always had, you know, on our corners here in, in Dillon. We're with Rockies Vice President and Assistant General Manager of Scouting, Danny Montgomery, in a moment. But first, this for my friends at Ideal Home Loans. I know the market out there with interest rates has gone up and things have been crazy. They've been crazy for a while, but people are still buying homes. People are still upgrading. People are still doing home projects. And if you are one of those folks, one of those families, then look no further for assistance than Ideal Home Loans. Give them a call at 303-867-7000. That's 303-867-7000. Because you still want the lowest interest rate possible. You still want to make sure you're in the best product for what your long-term goals are. And you still want to find out how much you can get, and what is the best way to go about it. They'll answer all of your questions. They've been doing it for more than 20 years in our market and also down in Arizona, and they have an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau because they've been that good at helping you, the customer. I've sent a number of people their direction. All have been thrilled. I've used them on multiple occasions. It's Ideal Home Loans, Brent Ivinson's team, 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. And now back to more with Danny Montgomery, Vice President and Assistant General Manager of Scouting for the Rockies. Well, there's a kid that, speaking of bangers, that you drafted next, and and oh. that's a kid that I don't I don't know the hit to. I'm going to let you explain it, uh, but I know he's got top shelf power, and that's the. Tennessee had a, had a loaded roster, and Jordan Beck gets tape measure home runs. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of the uh, discussions would, uh, amongst the scouting community would always have a, uh, you know, guys would make statements say, "Oh, that's 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 ten, that's the ball's ballpark," you know, because it, it does fly, balls fly out of there. I don't care what park it is with this guy. This guy is a man child. He is a big physical man child. Is there some things that we need to tweak in his offensive approach? Yes, we do. We want to be able to get as much out of them big, strong legs as he can, you know, his upper body, get the rhythmic, you know, things that he needs to do offensively. But he's a uh, he's a he's a ball player. He runs well for his size. He's going to be a great corner outfielder for us. He can throw. He's a tool shed. There's a lot of things that you can build upon. Uh, but let me tell you, the power would never go to sleep. This guy, he will hit a ball out of the stadium, which you saw on the film that he's done. But the reality of it is, don't blame it on the ballpark. This guy can hit them anywhere. Yeah. Dan, uh, we're not going to break every guy down, but I'm going to go with the first four because you guys had four picks in the first 50, which yeah. is just significant. And, and, and Drew, honestly, let me, let me yeah. say this. because Honestly, when you have four picks like that, you have to hit. I mean, we, we went into that. And that's what, was, that's what was a little stressful the night for, for me the night before because – we know what we have in the system with what Rolando's done international scouting. And, you know, we, 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 we have to hit on 
on these guys. And we have to, you know, we went into it with that mindset that this is our time. This is our time. We have to hit because we've done a good job last year and the year before, but we needed to hit on these four guys here. Yeah, and Dave, for people who are listening in and they're saying, well, what, what constitutes hitting? When you look back, and I always say you don't know about a draft typically for five, six, seven years, really. Right. Or five, somewhere in, in that, especially when you talk about a puppy, a high school kid, uh, he's 18. And, and so realistically, it may be a, a longer period of time. When you look back on a draft, say, seven, eight, nine years ago, what for you guys, when you and Billy are sitting there talking and, and Mark Gustafson, what will you say, hey, that was a good draft? How many get to the big leagues? How many are impactful of, of, of kids that you've taken in a given draft? Well, honestly, we, we, we were talking about this one day. We have rolled, if you go back in our history, we have rolled off a lot of second round picks. One of them is going to be a Hall of Famer. And that's Arenado. And but we have rolled off a lot of picks in that second. We know when you have an even uh, I, I guess if, if you say if you had an extra pick or if you was or if it was a second round pick, you know, we've rolled off. Yeah. Have we had some mistakes with our first picks? Yeah, we have like anybody else would have. But when we say hitting, look, you you just you know, you, you we shoot for impact. That's the that's what we always you know, that's that's part of scouting. You shoot for impact. But if a guy ends up. Being like a Charlie Blackman, that was a second round pick and has been a, had a very, very good career. And great I can career. go on. Oh, a great career. I could the Seth Smiths of the world. I can go on and on. There's a lot of guys that we've rattled off in the second round. And and, 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 and when you do have that extra pick, that extra pick is like extra credit. You really want to push that envelope to get that guy to the next level, whatever his capacity is, whether he's an extra guy, whether he's a backup catcher or. Tenth uh, man on the staff, you want to try to get it because they're giving you a chance to make an extra pick. So I think that's why, you know, when I say hit on, we had a chance to have some extra picks with the competitive balance and with the extra, you know, the 31 we had, we, 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 we feel like we wanted to hit hard on, on those four right. picks, especially. Yeah. If, and maybe I hope that explains you what, when I, what, what we mean. No, I was, you know, it's funny. I was going to bring up Charlie. Um, cause I, as I dance around a little bit, we'll go back to the draft here in a moment, but as somebody who's been in this a long time, as we've established that I'm sure you have certain guys that you really stumped for in the room yeah. that turned out well, and I'm leading you to, to Charlie, cause you mentioned, cause I know the story and I'll let you embellish it, but you really fought hard. There was something about Charlie Blackman that you wanted you didn't want it to wait till maybe the third round. You want to make sure that, that the Rockies took him where you ultimately did. What what was it about him? You know, I trust his – first of all, the coach there, Danny Hall, is a, is a personal friend of mine at, at Georgia Tech. I trust him. Uh, he spoke very highly about him. I, that day that I saw uh, Charlie, I had come back from uh, California uh, on a flight, and I was beat up. So I saw him play on a Sunday. Didn't had no idea that they had another game on that Monday. My area scout had no idea I was going back to the game. He thought I had flown home the night because I had been out west and I was beat up. Well, I went back to see Charlie and I was looking. I thought I was the only scout there. And I still today I wonder if there was another guy there, but I hope he did. I don't think he knew what he's looking at. But um, I went back and Charlie ran. He did everything you wanted to see because again, Charlie was a pitcher. You know that was his thing. But but 
You know, he had worked with Rusty Greer that week, that whole summer and gotten better offensively. And Danny said, hey, you know, I'm going to let this guy just hit. I think you got something, D. Because I'm telling you, this guy was running sub fours and, you know, throwing and doing everything you want to see, tra- tracking balls. And, and, and uh, so, you know, when, you, when we went to the, um, the tournament, to the ACC tournament, I was with Gavet. I'll never forget it. And, and I told Gavet, I just want you to watch one guy. For me. So Gavet watches him one, one at bat and says to me, D, we can leave now. And I'm like, Gavin, what are you talking about? He's like, well, what are we staying for? We can, I, I, I've seen, I, I see what you see. I'm, I'm good. And, you know, and you know, if you know Gavin, you know how he could be. And I was like, Gavin, we have to stay for the game. I mean, I convinced him to stay, but he was ready to go eat. You know, uh, Gavin, he, he wasn't missing meals, so he was ready to go eat. But I was like, hey, man, we got to watch the guy. And from there, Billy was able to get an idea. But I'm telling you, in the draft, for him to take him at, in the second round, it was uh, it was a lot of pushing and pulling, but you know Billy trusts me, and that's one thing we've had is a very long-standing relationship. You know he means the world to me. Yeah. Uh, but I wasn't the only one that had you know Charlie up in that neighborhood. I, I felt like you know the the the, the uh, floor needed to be stomped a little bit to get him in the round that we got, and yeah. he's had a he's turned out to have a pretty good career, a very good career. Danny, there are there other guys who jump out? you know, Rockies that through the years, whether it was third round or maybe it was even later round and you, there was something about a guy that you liked and he ultimately made it because we love telling those stories that, yeah, the first round guys get a lot of attention, but there's so many beautiful stories about guys that were I, I, obviously the most famous is Mike Piazza, 62nd rounder, is right. my favorite, it's on the sorting, the Hall of Famer, but uh, do you have other ones that jump to mind? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, and uh, you know, not to say as a later round pick, he was a second rounder, but you know, Seth Smith was a guy that I would have taken in the first pick the year prior at Team USA. This guy was unbelievable, and you got to remember, Drew, he did not have a very good junior season. His junior season was bad, uh, but I could not get that out of my mind. I mean, me and I Nelly, uh, one of our national guys, we we saw him a lot, and, da- and Damon knew him extremely well. But you know, being from down in that neighborhood. But there was something about him that, you know, when you get that affection feeling, you just can't get rid of it. it you know, it's, it's, it's no different than with Dexter when he came and, you know, we took him late in the 14th round and was able to sign him. You just get a feeling, man. It, you know, they talk about feel, you know, when you talk about tennis players and all these different groups of, of uh, organizations, you know, the NBA and stuff. It's no different with us. It's no different than us. We get a feel and you will stomp and tear a table up to get a guy. Right. And now, because I'm at the in an executive role, I see the young guys behind me in our area guys doing the same mess that I used to do. Stomping and acting a fool. You know, yeah. but, but but that's 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 okay. I, I that's why I said I just feel like I'm an overextended area guy because I still stomp and act a fool, you know, with guys that I have an affection for. Right, absolutely. But that's what our area guys do, Drew. Well, did, any, did anybody did it, did anybody stomp around the room in this draft that just concluded? Was, was there a pick somewhere along the line? We got to have this guy. Our area guy was really good on uh, Thompson. I have to say he was he was he was strong on Thompson. And the other the kid, the second round pick, you know, our, our Cox. We yeah, had guys did. that were very yeah. And then state, and then, state uh, of Washington, a high school pitcher, yeah. Jackson Cox. Yeah. yeah, he's the only high school kid we took. You know, so, I mean, you know, so there were some guys that were stomping. I, unfortunately, they didn't. They don't stomp like I do. 
I, I, I really show out. I mean, Drew, you just have to come and see what the room's like. Everybody in that room know I can show out. And honestly, I know I show out. But the reality of it is, is that sometimes you just go with that gut and that instinct. And 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 God bless. I mean, I, I just as I say to Billy, sometimes under the under under my breath, I'll say, I'm getting ready to beat you down for this guy. I'm gonna beat you down. And we just laugh because he knows me. He knows that my makeup is affection. I just got so much passion. And and I and Nelly's the same way. You got to keep an eye on Damon. Damon is 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 just like Danny. We the same cloth. They get yeah. wide open, and yes, it's pretty. Hey, hey, hey Demont, did you guys go into the draft saying we're going to get a plethora of pitchers, or did it just work out that way that every time the Rockies came up, the next guy on the board that you had rated the highest? Happen to be a college pitcher because you got a huge volume of college pitchers. We did. And it's always something that's always, as I said earlier in the conversation, always be something that's needed. But Drew, what we did, you, you know, we do a depth chart of what we have in the system. You know, we sat down with Chris Forbes, went over what we had, what Rolando has coming from Latin America this summer over here. You know, why would you take, if you got three quality catchers that you feel good about, why would you take that another catcher that, you know, you got to find places to play them. So, you know, we, we, we had a situation where there was, you know, we, we have a, it, look, it's a good problem to have because we got an influx, uh, influx of outfielders right now. You know, we've got, uh, you know, the infielders that we've got, as you know, Tobar has a chance to get there sooner than later. And, um, and Rolando's got some more. That's just as good as him. That's coming up the middle that can play in the middle of the dirt. So, we went over all that prior to the draft, but we didn't go into it with a uh, pre-assumption of, hey, we're just going to take all pitching. We try to go off our board a lot, you know, how we – our depth chart, how we see the board in the top 100. But in the same breath, we deviate if we have to. But at the time when Jackson Cox was the only guy that we felt like, you know, fit that mold at, as a high school kid, that we could sign and get out. And he was another kid that we met. And, and just love the meeting. I mean, he's a serious kid that's mature. He's uh, he got high spin rate curveball. I mean, just I, I, honestly, I think he's got the highest spin rate curveball out of any high school kid and probably college. I mean, it was very, very impressive. But I, the boy's going to throw extremely hard. And he's just I just like his whole disposition of what he's about. Because, again, you know, Drew, it's like in our group. We take special high school kids, you know, special high school kids, because, you know, we love kids that are, if they're high school wise, have the maturity for this next level in our league and in our ball club. And, and this kid here, the way he was, his focus and his composure, um, it, it, we were we were serious about trying to get him. And, and you know, hey, it was a very, very tough look up there this year for him. It, we, I mean, I think Erickson went three or four times trying to see him to rain got us. You know, it got us a lot because, you know, you're dealing with that. And uh, and for, for him, fortunately, he answered the bell every time we were able to get a chance to see him. But there were some moments where we couldn't get him because of the, the weather was so bad. Yeah. Well, I just saw a Pacific Northwest kid who won a Cy Young Award is now with the Padres, the former yes. Tampa Bay Ray left-hander, right? Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, Hey, Danny, before I let you get on out of here, two quick ones. Mm -hmm. It used to be, and I and I was fortunate enough uh, going back when uh, when Dan O'Dowd was, was the GM. He let me sit in. I think it was day two of the draft. I could not believe how fast uh, things were going. And I know that when it was forty rounds, 
it was of particular importance to try to take care of the area scabs that are putting 30, 40,000 miles on their car and run it all over there. You know, if, if they have state of Mississippi, you know, like Ionelli did. And, right. you know, they're running all to, to reward those guys for their hard work and select maybe one of their kids in the 34th round or the 35th round. Has that gone away because you're only talking about 20 rounds now? That's a very, very good question. I'm going to tell you what I said prior to this thing getting started. It was right before we were getting ready to start. Uh, Baltimore was going to take the first pick. And I said to all the guys in the room and ladies, I said, just remember something. This is our guy, not yours. And you have to look at it that way. You have to. You can't get where you're just, you know, it's just your area. You can't look at it. It's a team sport, it's a team game, and it's a team draft. And so everyone looked, and they, and I think everybody got it because we knew that somebody was going over in this draft because there's only 20. And if you look what, you know, Pignatero did, he he racked up with some guys in the Northwest. So it, it, it just varies. I mean, there's going to be times, hey, I got shut out many days when I was an area guy for 10 years. So I get it. But because it's only 20 rounds, I had to let the guys know, hey, just remember this is a Rockies draft, not yours. I got it. That's a great way of putting it. And, Demon, I guess the, the natural closing question would be, and I get it, whether it's NFL or NBA, when you get done with a draft as a group, typically you, you're excited, you're upbeat. Um, what what was the mood? What is the mood now? You got a flight back from, from uh, Scottsdale and you're back in the Charlotte area. You probably had time to reflect and I Gosh knows you probably need a couple of days worth of sleep. But how do you look at, at how the Rockies did in 2022 right now? Honestly, I feel I feel very, very good about it. I, I never thought and imagined, and imagined that we would be able to pull off a Sterling Thompson and a, a Jordan Beck. You could not have told me that, that them two bats was going to end up landing to us. You know, um, and then have this one high school kid. Yeah, I feel very, very strongly about him. I, I just think, you know, the mood for all the, the area guys, you know what really helps in our business is when your constituents see what you did and they call you. Our phones have been blowing up, you know, from what we did. I mean, I called a bunch of guys, too. I, I felt like Baltimore had done a great job. I felt like San Diego did a great job. You know, I, I so I've called those guys to let them know, hey, great job this past draft. But we as an organization and guys that I work with, with, with Gustafson and, and, and Erickson and Jay, we have talked about how many calls we've got. And just the, the fact of everybody leaving there uh, yesterday, just being excited by what we did, not just in the top four. I'm talking about all of them. I mean, because there were guys that got some that didn't, that's been shut out two years ago. I mean, for two years straight that were able to get guys. So I'm just, I'm just a stickler of, 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 of making sure that people realize especially now that this thing's at 20 years, uh, 20, 20 round drafts, that this is a Rockies draft, no matter where you, and if the kid was taken in Atlanta, but our area guy had a report on him that did, that lives in Florida. His report was just as good as Sean Gamble's report, who who covers the area. And so you got to make sure that these guys are invested in that mindset. And I think our guys are because we are a family. You know, honestly, Drew, guys talk about family dynamics and organizations. No, I'm trying to tell you. It starts from the top down, as you know how Dick can be here. It is a family. 
And one thing about the scouting part of it, we have been together so long that we know each other so well. And we and, and I think we embrace and celebrate when other guys do well. We just do it. And that's look, they're all, me and Billy and Gus are only as good as what our area guys do for us anyway. We're just doing the best we can to pick the best guys for this organization. Right. But I tell you, we all left very enthused, very enlightened, and we felt like we added, we made additions to the system that already has some very, very good players coming up. We really do. Danny, uh, I can't thank you enough. Um, and you and I go way back. Uh, you know you know what I think of you. I love you. You're a great uh, human being, first and foremost. I know that comes out with anybody. Visit with you, but I, I'm I'm really excited, and I know Rockies fans are going to be excited about the future. And the great thing about the game today, Danny, is people can truly follow these prospects. Where you know, 25, 30 years ago, they didn't know who was in the system, who was playing at A ball, and who was playing at Double A, who was a rookie league. But yeah. now you can follow, and it's a wonderful thing. Yeah, and thank you for saying that because this city of Denver, and you know, I've been here since this place was built. And won the first day I ever hired, and and I'm thankful that I stayed here. This place in Denver, for them, when we haven't really done much that we should have done winning-wise, they come out and support us. And I'll tell anybody any day, they're some of the best fans in the world because they stay with us. And that's why when it does become not the second-place ring, when we are able to put that first-place ring, it'll be just as much importance for us to thank the fans as it will the players that play because these people have stuck by us through thick and thin. They sell out. They, they just, the numbers are crazy that they come every year to, to, to support us. And I just love them for it. And that's why I do everything. When I go in there and I see these people at the games, I speak to them and thank them for coming. I just say, thank you for showing up. And, and sometimes I've gotten in front, like me and Billy and the rest of the guys, Zach Rosenthal, we, we gave out uh, schedules early in the year. So you know, we do everything we can because we're, we're, we're only as good as they give us the opportunity to be, and they have helped us a lot. Well, Danny, wherever you're giving a sermon, whether it's baseball or anything else, I'm in. <laughs> Baby, I love you, Drew. You know I do. You're my man. Thank you so much for everything you do for us. Well, listen, likewise, go get some rest. You've earned it. And and I know you're going to be on the road here in about 20 minutes anyhow. So uh, yes, you know it well. <laughs> and, and again, thank you for hanging in through the technical difficulties. Uh, That's okay. That, I'm uh, always going to wait for you, Drew, anytime, baby. Thank you so much. I love you. You know I, I love do. You, man. Thanks, Steve. Be good. Danny is superb. And uh, I appreciate uh him hanging in there today because what you don't know is uh, being up in the mountains, sometimes, you know, cell service and internet service isn't the best. And uh, we had quite the process, I won't bore you with, um, trying to get this thing recorded for all of you. But uh, fortunately, it worked out. And I, I appreciate Danny hanging in there as he's getting a little bit of rest back uh, home in, in uh, North Carolina before he's back out on the road. And you know what, scouts, man, they travel thousands and thousands of miles in their car in the case of Danny because you know Danny originally was a national cross checker and what that means is that an area scout says hey I really I, I really want to get a second opinion and thoughts on this guy I really like we think he can go high in the draft and then you know national uh, cross checkers come in like Danny well Danny's now above that so he's going to come in and his right hand man 
or he's the right-hand man of Billy Schmidt, and they've been tied at the hip for years and years and years. And so those guys are the ultimate decision makers. Um, you heard earlier, Danny really stomped for, or stumped, I should say, for, for Charlie Blackman, and there are many others. And, that, and that's what you have to have. You have to have a scout who really believes in you. And uh, Danny is so well thought of in the industry. And uh, again, I hope you learned a lot, and I hope you're excited about uh, who the Rockies selected. And, and you're going to be like me. You're going to follow them over the next uh, several years, just like the previous draft and so on. That'll do it for this edition of the Drew Goodman Podcast. Uh, big shout-out to my DNVR friends. Make sure you uh, download Patrick Lyons and the DNVR Rockies podcast each and every week. We'll do it again next week when the Rockies resume at the second half, and hopefully they can carry some of that momentum of a good final week, really a good final couple of weeks for the Rockies into the break. they got to get hot or, or stay hot, if you will, Uh, to make a run back at relevancy, which is 500 baseball. We'll do more next week. Y'all take care. Stay well. Talk soon.